Welcome to another episode of Outside Shots. I'm your boy, Saul Bookman. This is Eddie Johnson, as you all know. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. Uh, we're brought to you by the good folks at OGs. And as usual, we'll talk about them here in a second. What's going on, man? I mean, you looked at me like you didn't even know who the hell I was. No, man. You just... hesitated with my name. I have I have a lot of things. Okay, you got a lot of things going on. Saw has a lot of things going on. Okay, I was trying to tweet. Seems and I was like trying to you know. I, seems I like to, to me. Had to I had to maneuver some things. I think so that I way, could go. You know. I think I can go there with you. I think you know our listeners and viewers would understand it because you a man of swag. I appreciate that. But you look you look like right now you just cut your yard. Do I? I mean, if you were walking down the street, mm-hmm. I would probably, and walk past a landscaping truck, I'd probably think that you was a landscaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, it looks better on the screen than it does in person. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like you just woke up and you just like, whatever. No, nah, you know, I, I have never worn this shirt, so I figured I'd give it a the shot. The shirt's okay, but the those the, jeans the are out of style. Like, what do you mean these man, jeans they are don't, out of style? Man, people don't wear jeans anymore like Bro, that. Bro, what are you talking about? They don't wear jeans like that anymore. What do you mean so? they don't wear jeans like that? So like they wear Lululemons. They wear Lululemons. They wear the fitting pants. I'm 64 years old. You're talking old. about just jeans in general. Yeah, not blue jeans. Like, I threw all my blue jeans away. I will never wear those. Okay. I can't believe I used to wear them. Well, I mean, you know, I listen. I, I get where you're coming from, but like, <laughs> it took me 33 years to finally put on a pair of pants, and just in general, outside of the military, put on I, a pair of pants. I was always shorts. I, wow. I wore shorts okay. all the well, time. I'm glad it was shorts. It I mean, didn't matter. Didn't say that. <laughs> didn't I mean, put, put on a pair of pants. <laughs> <It didn't matter>. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, wow. like, listen, I mean, that's how you would walk it around. Sometimes huh? you just gotta let it go. You, you know walking I mean? around, huh? <laughs> <laughs> were you dragging concrete while you were walking? Yeah, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Let's just move on. Um, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Uh, listen, there's there's a lot of things going on, and we're going to get to the Suns here in a second. But some news just dropped. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, and Ricky Rubio have agreed to a buyout. Ricky uh, took a hiatus because he wanted to get his mental health in order. Um, I think the rumor was that he was pondering retirement as well. Uh, but... He's now in the buyout market, and Adrian Wojnarowski had said that uh, most likely he's going to go play in Spain if he plays at all. But right before we jumped on the show, EJ, you had a specific thought about a specific person that should probably reach out to him. I think he would be perfect for this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have a relationship with Book, right? I think he and Book were very close. I thought he taught Book a lot. Uh, I understand what he's gone through. Mental health is no joke uh, to deal with. I've been open in public that, you know, I went through a period of depression, so I know how difficult that is. But, man, like, there's not many guards that I think fit this trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only not only a tremendous guard, guard but a tremendous facilitator, but also he's got size. Ricky Rubio's bordering on six, four and a half. Like, so, and one of the best players in his time, really, with his hands. I mean, mm-hmm. was a guy that get deflections, played D. So I don't know what's going on with him uh, over in Spain. And so I'm not going to, you know, 
push back if he decides he doesn't want to come to the NBA. But, man, I think that's a talking point uh, and something that all teams are going to look into mm-hmm. in that regard because he is a glue guy on a basketball team. Would you agree um, – I let me just ask you this instead of saying agree – are you what if what has been your feel about the point book situation? Like, I mean, obviously at, at the beginning of the season, it seemed like it was it was really going to work, mm-hmm. but of late, it seems like it's been more of a struggle than it had been at first. Um, it, I don't I don't want to really say it's because of the double teams because I feel like he was still managing the the, the double teams for the last you know year, but I know it's a little bit different when you have Chris Paul. This season, he handled the double teams a little bit better at the beginning of the year than he did, you know, maybe the last month or so. What is, what is, what is your perspective on on Point Book? Well, it's obvious when he's bringing the ball up the court, when we don't have the other two on the court, teams are doubling them, whether it's he or KD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doubling. When all three have been on the court prior to this over the last few games, teams didn't double. So that's part of it. Uh, the other part, you remember the Christmas game when the Suns did the same thing to Luca, and Luca picked them apart mm-hmm. because the the role guy went right to the middle of the lane and he stood there. A few times last night, the Suns did that. Yeah, and Nurkic. it worked. Yep. Threw it the bowl bowl, threw it the Nurkic, and it worked. Book has to get to a point, and they're running a the big at him too. So they're coming up with a two-man game with a big. I think that's part of the problem, too. Uh, they're coming with a big on him so he can't really see over the top. And I think the vision is, is is skewed there. But also, we have to remember that Devin is working progress as a point guard. There's just certain areas that he's not going to pick up right now. Uh, uh, I guarantee you the great point guards had their struggles in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working with basically not much – time and opportunity to be a point guard. Remember, they made these deals, boom, right away. They said he's going to play point guard. It was just right away. Uh, And so, yeah, I I think he has to get rid of the ball a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Uh, See the double team coming and get rid of it. Don't wait for the double team to actually get all the way up on you because they take away your passing angle. So he has to see it coming quickly, get rid of the basketball instead of – and then get a hockey assist. I think he's locked into the fact that, okay, they're coming up. Now I'm going to get an assist. No, no, no. Normally you're going to get a hockey assist. You're going to get rid of it to the next open guy, and that guy has to be the decision maker. Mm-hmm. You put the pressure on him. So, yeah, those things have to show itself up. But also I would love to see, you know, and again, that's part of the issue. and That's what I brought up Ricky Rubio is like, okay, it's a trust factor if somebody else brings it up. But Grayson Allen's not going to get doubled. Eric Gordon's not going to get doubled. They'll just get the ball across half court, and they'll get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, and but what's going to happen is now you got Devin, Bradley Beal, and KD. They're below the free throw line where the defense can't really eye them and actually go double. And so you know we're going to face a team in Miami. Right, it's the next game, Miami. Mm-hmm. That you saw what they did last night to the Lakers with yeah. that zone. So they're going to be very creative on book, and so he has to be ready for it. Yeah, the zone is a. Uh... <laughs> It's a, it, it can be a problem from time to time if you're not ready for it. Uh, and that's that was the point I made last night on the show is that Book was letting the double teams get too close to him mm-hmm. before he was making his decisions. And then because of that, um, what, what, I, what I had pointed out was 
not only because it, it, it gives him a, a poor angle to make that pass, but also because when that double gets close enough, you are identifying to the other players on your team on the, on, for the defense. The defense is recognizing like, oh, he's about to be in a, in a, in a pain point. So let me go cut off his closest, you know, closest out, you know, uh, outlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and normally that outlet was either at the, at the, in the middle of the key or it was to the side. Um, at first it was just to the side. And then as, as they kind of maneuvered, it came to the center. And well, so, it was, it, you know, again, Nurk and, and now obviously Bo Bo in that position, uh, that's a good outlet because you're throwing the ball up mm-hmm. instead of trying to throw the ball on a straight line. And they have to be good decision makers. I thought Bobo, you know, made some very good decisions when he got it. Uh, so that's what has to happen. Uh, but but again, uh, we got to remember we got to be patient. Uh, Book is learning this right now. You shouldn't, you know, you can't term him. Even though he had some great success early, teams have scouted him now. They're attacking him different ways. That's what happens in this league. You know, you don't always see the look, same look every game. You have to be very smart to make the adjustments and see it rather quickly. But you saw what happened when they stopped doubling him. Yeah. He went crazy. Yeah. So that's why they double him. And he has to understand that. Yeah. Uh, so it is not going to go away. Miami's going to do the same thing. Uh, unless if KD plays, then they can't. Yeah. So uh, hopefully KD will be in the lineup. You you brought up Bull Bull. What about I, – I don't want to say fluke. I don't want to use the word fluke. But do you think Bull Bull will be able to maintain the consistency that he's at least shown in the last two games to be adequate enough with the ball handling to be on the floor and also be able to produce uh, when given the opportunity? Do you think this is something he can sustain on this team? Well, you say what you want about him, right? People had their ideas about him, and a lot of people you know, that have been criticizing him uh, people I know, uh, not a eating crow. Because my whole mindset throughout all of this when they signed him was that he's a weapon. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been, and they haven't been able to use him or they had decided not to use him for whatever reasons. I'm not in practice. I don't see what mistakes he's making and where the non-trust was. Uh, but what I will tell you, this dude is highly skilled. He is a freak of nature. And people would push back on me and like, no, no, he's a freak of nature. He got handles. <laughs> this dude is seven foot two. Did, you, you saw him dribbling the ball up the court last mm-hmm. few games. Anybody taking it from him? Uh, on no, the dribble? He, he did get ripped once. No, he getting ripped when he picks it up because of his strength, right? Mm-hmm. He, 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 he gets ripped. But what about the times, what about the skill set that he has that he keeps the ball up high? Yes. So he does that more. Nurkic gets stripped. Mm-hmm. Like, Metu gets stripped. Okay, okay, so he got stripped. Mm-hmm. Grayson Allen got stripped. Everybody gets stripped. But but a lot of the times when he catches it, he's got it up high where yeah. you can't get to him. Like, he's highly skilled, people. He can flat-out shoot. You put him in a gym with Devin, with Bill and all them, he'll win contests with them. He mm-hmm. can flat-out shoot the ball. Like, and he can get to the rim. He can finish. Like, he has a tremendous skill set. What is the difference between he and Chet Holmgren? Not much other than Chet Holmgren, one, went to Gonzaga, which I think is, if, if, I, if I had a kid that was playing, 
I sent him there. That dude can, Mark Few can freaking coach. Mm -hmm. And they play in a system where they teach you how to play. Like, so if he had that, I think he'd be even better. But that's the advantage Chet Holmgren has on him. They're both thin. They're both long. They both can shoot. They both can dribble. Right? Mm -hmm. Holmgren has them. Why? Better defender in the, the better defensive mindset and understanding where he should be. That is the one thing that that hampers Bobo. And if he understands that and works on that defensive aspect every game, every day, every day in practice, to be in the right spots, to make sure he's connected and doing the right thing, what is the difference? Mm. Really? Like, so we don't get to see it because of the other criticisms that people might have. Hmm. So I'm excited for him, man. I, like I said, I've watched this kid since he's been in college. Uh, he is a freak of nature, man. And if he continues to evolve, he's still a young man. If he continues to evolve, he can be a major weapon for us this year. And, and that's the way I've always looked at it. Yeah, I mean, the development of Bull Bull is definitely one of the most intriguing parts of the season so far. Uh, to Because you, you could see a, a path where he could be a bona fide contributor to this team. Uh, but then you can also see the other path where it's been kind of what he's been in this in his career, where it's been inconsistent. Last year, he finally got some minutes, and he averaged, I think, 11 points a game, and it was good at the beginning of the season, but then it tailed off at the end, and, and he wasn't getting as much run. So jo Johnny, boy, I mean, you're running off, you run it off like messages, like one after the other. <laughs> can you, like, do a super chat? Like, do a super chat, and I might halfway pay attention. I mean, what are you on steroids right now? You've ran off five in a row, and I'm looking at you. But here's the thing that you did that I didn't push back on you. You saying Bobo knows how to attack? I mean, uh, Chet knows how to attack a guy coming up on. Did you see Bobo last night, or is your TV half like dark and half light? I mean, Bobo attacked two or three times. I mean, he's done it, what, a couple of times mm -hmm. since he's been playing the last two games. All right, calm down, man. What did you, what did, you did you drink something this morning that got you <laughs> wired up? Yeah, your fingers are working like crazy. <laughs> if you want to slow those fingers down, just go to OGsbrands.com. Thank you. That's what he needs to do. Somebody speaking facts. Give me, what's your resume then? <laughs> you speaking facts. What's your resume? Thank you. I love it. I love it. Uh, this is the shit that Eddie gets to say that I can't say because I didn't play in the NBA. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I like it when you come here and you kind of put these people on blast. It's kind of funny. Um, I will say uh, take uh, take an OGs. Chill out. Go to OGsBrands.com to find the closest dispensary to you. They got all types of gummies to, to fit your, you know, your, your moods, your emotions, all that good stuff. Uh, they got the sativas, the indicas, the RSOs, the happy balance, you name it. They got it. They got the different flavors. They got the, the the strawberry creams. They got the orange cream, sickle, and all that stuff. So check them out, ogsbrands.com uh, today. And uh, follow them on social media, at ogsbrands, uh, on Instagram and on Twitter. So there you go. Uh, and remember, you must be 21 or older to enjoy. And uh, Johnny Boy says we're talking crazy. And eh, whatever. It don't matter. His All resume right. don't matter. Well, <laughs> let me. OK. Well, why don't you walk in the hospital and say you got to do surgery? You stoop. <laughs> he said he could have played in the NBA. You stoop. You're talking about your resume don't matter. Huh? Maybe it's Circle K. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Oh, man. All right. No, no, he deserves it. It, it do want to keep yapping. I, like I said, you know me. Uh, back when I played, I wouldn't be going at people like this. I don't care now. 64 years old, man. I'm not worried about nothing. Okay? Your resume doesn't matter. Man, please. I should ask for your resume just to get on this doggone podcast. <laughs> I'm not gonna blow the whistle on that because I think that's funny. But uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of whistles being blown last night, and it was just crazy. Uh, I went on a little bit of a, a tirade, a little bit of a rant last night. Uh, it was colorful. If you want to check it out, go check out the PH Next Suns show from last night. But um, Eddie, I, I feel like officiating has become a, a pretty hot topic of late. It, it feels like it's gotten worse over the course of the last couple years in a different way at first it was because people love to complain about the officials all the time right and and a lot of times before it was they just didn't want to acknowledge that their player did something wrong you know what I mean so like oh well he would never foul that's bullshit you know whatever now it's become errors like legitimate errors like in, in the NBA and the NFL both just legitimate errors that are constantly being overturned by challenges. We saw two of them last night for the Suns alone. Uh, and then the quick tease. I do not understand what has happened over the course of the last five years that has made officials so damn soft. I don't get it. Back in the day, and you said this on the broadcast last night, that you know a, a lot worse has been said to officials, and typically... Typically, the good officials, depending on the, the the severity of what you're saying to them, they will give you a warning. Like, did you get it out of your system? Okay. Well, this is what I saw. We move on. And if you want to keep going, then you get the T. But the warning has kind of gone by the wayside. There is no more warning. Kawhi last night complained about a call, and I thought he had a legitimate gripe. Mm -hmm. Book Book was bumping him, and he didn't get the call. And he he was upset about it. But it didn't look like he was cussing and demonstrative. No. He was just, hey, that was a foul. Yep. And he got teed up. Yep. And he's only gotten two technicals in his own career. Like, that's crazy to me that a guy like Kawhi Leonard, as mild-mannered as he is on the court, would get teed up that quick as if he was like a Draymond Green. That is wild. And that's, that's the shift. And then you even go to the NFL. And you saw last week – the Cowboys and and the Lions, mm -hmm. um, the the two the two offensive linemen that did report, and they only reported one of them, and then they threw a flag, and it cost the team a win, and and possibly uh, you know a two seed in the playoffs. Like these are things that, from uh, a fundamental standpoint, need to be fixed, and they need to be fixed immediately. I am tired of watching officials blow the whistle with that happy whistle because they got rabbit ears. They're getting it from the crowd. They're getting it from the players. And now they're getting all sensitive and in their fields because they can't handle it. They get paid a good salary. They get paid, you know, they, they get to referee in the premier sport. And a lot of them are, are solid officials. Don't get me wrong. Like officials, it's not the easiest job in the world. I know this. However, you have got to be a little bit more thick-skinned than what these guys are displaying so far. Especially like, you know, and last night, Nate Green. Mm -hmm. You know, and I called him out. I have a, a very good relationship with a lot of officials in this league. Uh, I protect them. I, they know I protect them. And I think that's why they allow me 
to get away sometimes and call some officials out. Mm -hmm. I've had officials text me doing a game and say, you were right. Like, you know, this, you know, this particular official was not, you know, they're a little off center right now. Uh, that wasn't a good call. Uh, so I'm not just saying this just because I'm a Phoenix Suns broadcaster. I, I, I normally say, I even last night, uh, Russell Westbrook uh, got attacked and then he kind of cursed at the official and I said, I hope he doesn't kick him out because, like, he shouldn't. Yeah. I, I may like that he just cursed at him, but no, don't you don't kick him out. Like, the game is not about you. It's about the players. And you have to allow them to have their frustration. You're right on the Kawhi thing, man. Kawhi doesn't, you know, the one thing great, you know, you can criticize Kawhi in a lot of areas with the low management and all that stuff. Uh, but the one thing you can't is he's an extreme sportsman on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. He's an extreme sportsman. Like, and so for an official to just give him a technical foul spontaneously, to me, is a joke. It's a joke. And Nate Green last night was in his feelings, man. You can't tell me you weren't, Nate. I played 2,000 games in my career. I know. You were in your feelings. I knew how to approach officials. I can look at you and tell that you're in your feelings. You know how? Because you were looking at players instead of looking at the game. You were like, really, you were so worked up, he was just looking at guys to see if they said something to him. No, no, no. It's not how you officiate. Look at the game. He was in his feelings. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit ramped up, and he lost control for a moment. Not to say he's not a good official, but, you know, these young officials are coming into the league. The one thing I know the league works on with them is, like, look, you know, you can't take things personal. Yeah. Like, you can't take it personal. Like, they're in the moment. Players are in the moment, man. They made a mistake. They thought they got fouled. Uh, you know, you called a foul, you called something against them, and it wasn't correct. They knocked, you know, you say the ball went off a guy's leg, but it did not. That's why I'm glad we do have instant replay. So what you have to do, I think all officials, most officials do this, is you got to leave whatever issues you have before the game, as players do, at home. Yep. Leave it in your car. Like, leave it in your hotel room. You know how many times I went to games? The other half and I had an argument before. <laughs> or my kids did something. You know? Yeah. Or anything, man. Like, I didn't go with the right frame of mind, but when I got out of my car at the arena, I had to let it go. Yeah. And I think some of these young officials, they're still working on that. They're still work in progress with them. They get over, they get into their feelings too much. And they start to just lose it. Yeah. And thinking the technical foul is going to solve it. It's not. It's going to make it worse. Yeah. It's going to make it worse. It's not going to solve it. They're going. You're going to get the players more ramped up. When I was like I was telling saying last night when I was an official in Colorado refereeing high school sports, um, the you you have to go through like a, a two month training course and then you have to pass a test to make sure you understand the rules of the game and and we're not talking about like what's a travel and stuff like that. We're talking about like the in depth. You know, like what what is really a back court, and you have to have like three points of the body or three points across half court, right? So you need to have both feet plus the ball mm -hmm. has to has to establish in the front court in order to establish a back court violation, right? So those are the small things, right? But in the course of that, they would say if you if you were refereeing a high level high school game 
or you were fortunate enough to go referee in college, um, one of the things as an official you have to take into consideration is there's a tremendous amount of stress that is placed on on these coaches and these players to perform at a high level. And sometimes that stress will manifest itself into frustration on the court if things are not going their way. So you have to give them a little bit of leeway. You have to get and just talk to them. Um, some officials would tell me, don't talk to the players if they're doing wrong, if they're doing something wrong or whatever, right? Um, I did not like that because every every official views things a little bit differently in terms of what they view as physical contact, right? So when a guy's down low in the post and and maybe a guy's got his arm bar in his back, I might let that go. But the minute he starts like kind of pushing back on him, then I'm like, hey, stop pushing him. I'm going to give him a warning because right. that's – I feel like I, I don't want to blow the whistle – if I don't have to. So I'm going to give you a warning. And the more you do that, then I'm going to call the foul and we're going to go to the free throw line or we got to do whatever. Right. And I just don't feel like there's the amount of communication necessary right now by the officials in the game. And case in point, you were talking about uh, him being in his feelings last night uh, when Bradley Beal got teched up or teed up. And he was trying to talk to the official and green was walking away from him. Did yeah. not want to hear the time of day. And then Devin yeah. Booker, who is the team captain tries to go over to talk to green and he doesn't want to give him the time of day either. And that's bull crap. That's just absolute BS. Like you have to respect who is the authority figure on the court. They tell you that when you get to the jump ball area for the pregame meetup, like you are the representative, you are the speaking captain for the team. And I, that's, that's when you lose your composure to that degree where you can't even talk the good officials, as much as people might've hated them, they will sit there and they will go at you too and say, hey, no, you were wrong. Scott Foster and Chris Paul constantly talking on the court. They don't like each other. We all know that. But they will still talk to each other. And it's not pretty sometimes, but they will still talk to each other. And it's not an instant tea every single time Chris Paul talks yeah. to Scott Foster. You know, look, <clears throat> back in the day, especially in the 80s, uh, the league did something that I, I have I've interviewed Adam Silver a number of times. Joe Dumars, uh, people before them, Kiki Vandaway. I have constantly brought up the fact that you need to go back to the old system of putting a C on two players on each team's mm -hmm. jersey to designate them as the captain. I thought back in the day it was powerful. I did. Uh I was I had a C on my chest and I was able to go up to officials and talk to them. And I thought it worked. Uh other players weren't easily allowed to get up in their face and talk to them. I I think that's how it should be. Uh I hope the league would because I hate the delay where players are now this is the part I don't like. Players always just talk wanted to talk to the officials after every play. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think they should be allowed to do it. I don't. You know, and so I'm protecting the officials that way. I think it would make their job a lot easier. The coach, two captains. Now, I'm not saying a player can't say, hey, man, you missed this, and then walk away. But not have a elongated conversation mm -hmm. with the official where sometimes in the free throw line, you got a player talking to the official, and he wants to throw the ball, the guy shoot the free throw, and he can't because the guy's talking to him. Mm -hmm. And I and that happened to me a number of times later in my career 
I'll be like, hey, man, look, this is my time, man. Why are you delaying me? I have a rhythm on the free throw line. Why are you allowing him to delay my rhythm? Mm -hmm. An official looked at me, and he got it. Like, give me the damn ball, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I have a rhythm here. This is important. I'm the one. I'm the focus right now. Not him. Mm. And it's those type of things, man, they need to get rid of. And, and you know, the league has been open with it, saying, you know, they want to give every player a right. To, no. They shouldn't, man. They should not have a right. So there you go. I'm protecting officials on that side. Uh, and I think it would help them. But, yeah, you should be able to go up to an official, man, if they're not going to put the C's and, and be able to say something to them without them getting totally upset. But as I told Devin Booker a couple of years ago, and I don't say much to the players in that regard, but if I see something that's becoming chronic, I'll say something. And I remember a couple of years ago I told him, I said, it's a balance in talking to officials, man. It's like sometimes it's okay to go up to them and say, man, that was a great call, man. I was a family. Get to know their names. Yeah. Uh, understand them and get to know them past them just showing up and officiating the game. You might look at it as unfair. You might look at it as he's getting favor. But, however, favor is life. Like, you know, if he didn't know me, I don't know if I'd be sitting here doing this. You know, mm -hmm. He developed a, a, a minor relationship away before I decided to do this. That's what's called favor. And so I think that's what players have to do. And Devin was having a hard time with that at one point, and now he's gotten better at it. And, and I think it's helped him on the court. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, those are great points. Um, you can get some great points over there at Four Peaks because they have tremendous alcohol. Well, beer, I should say. I don't know why I said alcohol. They don't serve the hard stuff. Maybe you got uh, alcohol in your mind. <laughs> maybe I do. Uh, it's been a long week. Uh, you can go to Four Peaks and check them out. They actually have a pretty cool crossover brew right now, the Bad Birdie uh, Juicy Golden Ale crossover beer. You know Bad Birdie, you golf. Uh, and uh, so it's a it's a nice little ale. You can check it out right now at Four Peaks at the Four Peaks Brewery, or you can go to fourpeaks.com uh, to check out the closest, uh, you know. What, what else is in Four Peaks? What do you mean? Food? Yeah, I mean the ambiance. I mean, yeah, the food, the environment, everything's all yeah, good. Well, why is the environment great? I mean, it's always lively in there. Oh. It's nice and Is that the only reason? Is it like the view and all that too? You going? No, there? I think you're thinking about Twin Peaks, bro. Oh, I thought Twin and Four. <laughs> no, no. Maybe it's Four you, Peaks. You got something on your mind, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie went to the, the, the view. <laughs> I know what views you're talking about. I got a quick, I got a quick story. <laughs> I never knew. Never I knew never it. knew what – I just thought it was a restaurant. I'd never gone in to Four the Peaks. Twin. Oh, the Four. Twin Peaks. Oh. Never. <laughs> so I had no idea. And so um, I had taken my mom to get her license. Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, there's a, a Twin Peaks. That's a restaurant. Right by the arena? Yeah. My eighty <laughs> at that time, my mom's eighty-eight years old. Oh God. <laughs> I take we walk in the twin piece. I am not this is a true story. Oh my goodness. I walk in my eighty eight year old mom. We walk in and all of a sudden I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, I mean, what is this a restaurant? <laughs> 
So we go in and she's oblivious to it initially. And we sit down and then she starts, just picks her head up and looks around. She's like, what is this place? <laughs> and then she starts counseling the, la- the, oh, the, the no. girl. Oh, yeah. Oh. Why are you dressed like that? <laughs> I mean, did she put some clothes on? <laughs> That's a true story, man. I'll tell you, I, I haven't been in there since. Well, Four Peaks is better than two. So there you go. Uh, check out Four Peaks by going to Four Peaks Brew on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> Instagram. It's a lot safer of a place to take your mom. Okay. Yes, it is a much safer place to take your mom. You can take your mom to, to, to the Four Peaks Brew. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a family establishment for sure. Uh, but they have tremendous food out there. Check them out, Four Peaks Brew. Uh, and remember, you must be 21 or older to enjoy. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, NBA story time. You know, I came across, you know, I, I love I love scrolling on TikTok. Uh, I'm on NBA TikTok quite a bit and I see all these stories going on. And there was one last week that we didn't get to, which we're going to get to here at the end. But this one, I'm going to set the scene. The uh, Back in the 90s, things were kind of wild. I mean, wild. And uh, the Indiana Pacers were a reflection of that. Steven Jackson, uh, you know, you had, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, Al Harrington were, was on that team, Jermaine piece. O'Neal, uh, and uh, Ron listen, Artest at the time. Yeah, and Jamal Tinsley. And at this time, uh, this story, the lead up to this is uh, they were all, they all wanted to go out because they had an off day the next day, and they, didn't, they don't really have a lot of opportunities to go out, so they would decide they wanted to go out. And they had all gotten their gun license, and uh, things kind of went a little crazy that night. And uh, Jamal Tinsley shows up, and they see a whole bunch of weapons in the back of his car, 24 of them in the backseat of his little BMW. <laughs> he just got his gun license. Because he just got his gun license, and he just wanted to have them all. Uh, and then, you know, Steven Jackson and whatever, they left. And then hell broke loose at the club. Things got a little crazy. Guys came back. Uh, and then Steven, uh, Steven Jackson ran into this. I seen Jamal running out the club, and they was chasing Jamal to his car. So I put my shit in reverse. And as, as I, 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 you know, we just got a gun license, so I pulled my shit out, and I ran over there with Jamal. I had my shit in my hand. By the time I get over there, you know, like we about to fight, so I hit one of them with my pistol. Bow! We get to fighting. More dudes come up out of the club. I've been in that position too many times. I know Poissa gets around and stumped out. I'm going to let off some warning shots. Bow, bow! I let two off. By that time, I was running to my car. Somebody wanted got in their car and sized me up in the parking lot and hit me going like 35, 40 miles per hour. Boom, knocked me in the air. I hit the ground, my, the momentum of the car hit me, my face just hitting the ground. I stand up, all my teeth gone, my lips shattered. But, and I was kind of, I was out of it, but what, what made me come back was one of my teammates, I ain't got to say his name on here, he started letting off at the car. And that made me come out of it. So as I stood up and saw that, I pulled my chased the car down. As I shot my last shot, I passed out. Wake up in the back of the car with uh, Marquise and the police, Marquise Darren's in the police car, because just for the simple fact that they had all of us arrested, but they had me in the car and I was unconscious. So I hear him kicking the door. He think I'm dying because my lips, my teeth gone, my lips just bleeding everywhere. He think I'm dying. So he kicking the door and that's how I wake up. 10 minutes later, they let us go. We meet at the gas station and that's, I think that's when he talked to jail for the first time because uh, we all met at the gas station. We all had guns, we all was gonna go test them. I was ready to kill everything moving. And mid, mid-sentence, Jermaine O'Neal stopped me and said, Jack, I feel all that shit. I feel all that shit you talk about. I want to kill somebody too. But you got to go to the hospital, dog. You got to go to the hospital. And I'm not even thinking that, but what the part was, as soon as he said it, my shit 
instant it started hurting. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Gums started hurting, everything, man. I had so to go. Not all your teeth out? And I, my top one's out. <clears throat> I had to get uh, plastic surgery on my lips for two hours with no anesthesia. So they pulling, cutting my lips, taking rocks and shit, my debris out my lips and shit for two hours. I'm holding Rick Carlisle's hand, and uh, I forgot who else was there, my, uh, my girl hand at the time. And just, I fought it for two hours after that shit slept for like seven hours straight. Mm. Dude, my favorite part of that story <laughs> is that you got you got these these hardcore NBA players that are you know they're out there doing some stupid shit. <laughs> he's in the ER and he's he's man enough to admit that he's holding on to his coach's hand because it hurts to take these little rocks and pebbles out of his lips. It, when we tell you that the '90s were a different just era, I mean this is case in point like the early 2000s late 90s it was crazy back then have you ever heard this story no but i'm not shocked <laughs> because of the participants i'm not shocked yeah. uh you know that's when the league was like starting to grow and a lot of guys and people don't understand this like you know when you grow up you grow up in the inner city uh, it's some things that you have you you try to navigate everything, but it's just some things that you just it's impossible to navigate. I.e. gangs, mm -hmm. it's just impossible. Or the culture. I, I grew up, uh, you know, you do your homework. I grew up Chicago, Illinois, in a city. I grew up in Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green at that time was one of the worst housing projects in the country. Uh. I encountered gangs all the time as a young man. I was still very young. I was nine, 10 years old. So I was some, somewhat respected and protected. Uh, they don't beat up little kids in inner city neighborhoods. But once you become a teenager, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's a problem because you have factions of gangs and they're like, Okay, you and our gang. You need to come to our meeting. You and the only alternative you have is to navigate them, go find different routes to school, don't be out late at night, and just stay away from it so they don't identify you and be able to force you to do something. Mm -hmm. That's just the perils of growing up in an environment like that. And so I was a product of that. Uh, I never was in a gang, even though I was in four gangs. <laughs> you know, why mm. weren't you at the meeting? I'm like, what meeting? You know, then you get threatened. And, you know, I stay in the house for two weeks. They get over me, and then I be able to come back out. It's just, it was a constant thing. So you develop this mentality that you need to be, uh, you know, protected. Jamal Tinsley, he gets a gun license, and he just goes crazy, like letting a kid in a candy store and he's got money in his pocket, he runs and gets 24 guns. Really? Mm. Like the gun store should be in trouble for selling them 24 guns. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, you get ready to start a war? Yeah. Steven Jackson, guy never really played in college. Uh, you know, Steven Jackson, Phoenix Sun. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, his entrance into the league. Uh, tremendous basketball player. And believe it or not, tremendous nice person. Mm -hmm. Like, all my interactions with him, I was disrespectful, man. Like, but it's a part of him that turns. Yeah. 
when he feels like he's been wrong. He's not trying to wrong anybody, but his reaction to somebody that tries to wrong him turns to gangster. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, that part is the part that disturbs me because you can't do that now. You're a professional. You know, professional means you can't be that person, that mentality that you used to be. So, no, I've heard plenty of stories like this from these guys, and that that one's disturbing because that one could have been really bad. It could have been really bad. I mean, yes. dudes could have lost their lives out there. It could have been really ugly. Um, you know, and, and I've heard multiple stories of, of this ilk before as well. But it's just wild because you don't, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, you just don't know what these these players are really all about behind the scenes. You don't know what they're doing in their spare time. It's a little bit different nowadays than it was back then because back then it wasn't really getting – it wasn't controlled in terms of the NBA monitoring that kind of behavior off the court and then – um, and then it, it got to a, a, a point uh, really the malice in the palace where yeah. it kind of bled into the entertainment of the fan and all this other stuff. And it just went crazy. And then the NBA really got involved heavily yeah. and really monitored this kind now, of I stuff. I don't want to Daniel Sanchez. What's hardcore? I don't understand it. They want to be hardcore. They're not real gangsters. What's a real gangster? Like you have people that are everyday people go to work every day. And then one day they snap, take somebody's life. Mm -hmm. What's a real gangster? Like, what do you mean? They're not hardcore. Somebody can turn hardcore quickly. So that's not true. I mean, that's that's part of the problem is that when you put guns in people's hands, they automatically can do something and they're considered hardcore. So that's that's not a really a good statement. You know, I think anybody that's breathing uh, they're like this close on the other side to really being in prison. Like mm -hmm. the story I heard of this young lady, she went out for a drink and beautiful family, you know, got kids and she has one drink and that one drink was too much for her. She runs a red light, she kills somebody. She went to prison for 25 years, still in prison. When she got to prison, they probably looked at her like she was hardcore. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she probably never had a fight in her life. So I had real gangsters that stop listening to all that rap. You know, <laughs> no, I'm not saying stop listening to it because I listen to it, but don't take it to heart. Yeah. Like Snoop Dogg went to suburban school. Did he really? Yeah, did you know? I did not know that. Oh, yeah. You know, Ice Cube went to South Mountain, yeah. allegedly? Yeah. So. You know, yeah, they're, not they're not gangsters. They're just taking your money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we close it out, uh, last week we had a little bit of a, a, a little stir on on social because the Miami Heat players, Bam Adebayo and Udonis Haslam, had some thoughts on Bill Russell. Uh, take a listen. We play in Boston, so you know his, his feel on that. Yeah. So, dog, we in the yeah. huddle, and you know, Cap come in there, he gave his pregame speech. And you know they retire like Bill Russell's jersey for everybody in the league. So they got six in our Raptors. Hey, he in his pregame speech like- Tell me when yeah, you gonna man, see a Miami Heat jersey hanging in a Boston. Bill Russell too, I said, bro, this man dead OG. <laughs> I had to repent that. I love man, Bill. Man. 
no Bill disrespect Russell. to Bill. I love Bill. He just caught that straight. Man, no that I love Bill. And man, he caught it straight. He's six feet under, man. But will you ever see a Miami Heat jersey never, hanging in Boston never, Raptors? Never. Man, respect I would, to Bill Russell. I love it. Why the fuck he got to hang in here? <laughs> the I, that come out the people mouth to us when we playing there? Man, listen. I, I might not lie. take back what I said. <laughs> now that I think about it, the way they the shit they say to us. First of all, Bill had to go through it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Hmm. That's probably the biggest L I've, I've seen somebody have a take on. Uh, I'll let you get to it, Eddie. You wanted to bring this up. I'll let you speak, uh, and then I will just follow up. Couple of things. <laughs> First, I like Udonis Haslam. I think Udonis Haslam, tremendous leader. I thought people wondered why he was still on Miami's team, you know, at the end, wasn't playing. Because I think every team should have that guy at the end of the bench because the coach can't really like police the bench. What happens when players leave out of the game sometimes, they don't want to come out, right? They're ticked off or whatever. They go, they, they go. And if you notice, watch during a game, the guy that's probably ticked off wants to get as far away from the coach as he can. And so when you do that, because a lot of the coaches would like you to sit close to them so they can explain to you why they took you out or why they screamed at you or whatever. A lot of players don't want to hear it. So they go to the end of the bench. Sometimes what happens then you go to the end of the bench and you got a guy at the end of the bench and he not playing. So who is he going to agree with? The player. And it makes it worse. It makes it worse. So it's always good to have a veteran down there mm -hmm. that doesn't get on his feet, that's not over his feelings and upset that he's not playing. And then he can bring that player back. And that's what Udonis Haslam was for the Miami Heat. And he was excellent at doing it. Now that he's retired, he's, he's, he's trying to stay relevant. I get it. We all do. You retire, you're not getting attention anymore. And so now you try to stay relevant. So you get to the podcast. Okay. And I can't be a hypocrite. I'm sitting on a podcast. Okay. I'm in TV. I'm in radio. I have a combustible radio show, NBA Today. You can check it out four to seven every day, three hours a day. So I get it. I have my opinions people don't like. But that opinion was dumb. Be mm -hmm. honest, that was dumb. Trust me, man. That was dumb. Bill Russell, Bill Russell was in every arena. It's not just in Miami. Then think about that. He's in every arena, not just in Miami. He's highly thought of. You had to wear his, his number on, on your jersey for a year. Like, Bill Russell is the ultimate winner in the history of our game. Forget about your problems with the Boston Celtics as a player when you played as an organization. No, no, forget that. Bill Russell. But I'll take it even further. Udonis Haslam. Larry Bird should be hanging up in your damn arena. Larry Bird. You know why you down as Haslam? Because if it wasn't for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, you wouldn't have a team in Miami. When they came into the league, it was eight teams ready to go under. I was on one of them, the Kansas City Kings. Couldn't hardly pay their checks to players. Ready to go under. People were calling it a drug-infested league. They were ripping on the NBA. Matter of fact, the finals was on delayed tape. Mm 
Didn't even show it live, Udonis Haslam. Didn't even show it live. Okay? That's how bad the NBA was. But along came Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and they took it to heights, man, that they never thought they could. Those two dudes right there. So Magic should be down there too because you all wouldn't have gotten a damn franchise. Because if you remember when you first got it, you wasn't selling out like that. You were getting your butts handed to you. You weren't really helping the league when they brought you in. But the league was making so much money that they were able to carry you, that they were able to deal with the fact that you were getting your head. I know you're getting your head busted in down there because I was coming down there. No, that automatic 25 <laughs> easily and, and was out the night before. Okay? All right? So how dare you? Like, I know you won some titles, but that doesn't put you up there with Boston. So you should hang Larry Bird. You should hang Magic. You should hang Bill Russell. Because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be sitting there. So my beef with this is more on the Bill Russell side. Uh, he says, you know, Udonis says that they would never hang uh, a Miami Heat jersey in Boston. Okay. Well, current times, there's you're not going to see somebody go through what Bill Russell went through and stand for what Bill Russell stood for. There's a big difference here. It's not just because of the player. It's because of the person. And that's the reason why Bill Russell is in every arena right now. No different than Jackie Robinson in baseball. They broke a certain barrier. Bill Russell was the first black coach in the NBA. He was a player coach. I think one of the only player coaches uh, in the NBA, in NBA history. And he won a championship doing it. He won 11 titles, the winningest player of all time. And he did it in a city that is notoriously racist. Like, notorious and players know it the league knows it it still exists today uh and so it's not the same thing to just say oh well you know a miami heat player would never be in the rafters well there's not a miami heat player in the history of this game and might not ever be that will accomplish the same things that bill russell was able to accomplish and have the opportunity to stand for the same things bill russell stood for that's the point and to just kind of fly but off the, the cuff. too. The, I think the, the winning, the yeah, winning, the is winning, well. of course. The winning but is the well. the flying off the handle, the flying off the handle uh, against the Bill Russell, in in the context of just trying to you know be colorful or trying to to have a you know a hot take, you better you you have to understand there's certain guys that you should never ever ever just kind of fly off the cuff with. Bill Russell is most definitely one of those guys. And you deserve to get drug if you want to try to drag him. Let me add this. Just do your homework, man. Yeah. Like, I will never be accused. Like, I decided to get into this stuff. I do my homework, Udonis. And it's for a lot of guys out there, man. All these guys now, they want to get podcasts. And, they, and, and you know, they're going to get attention because of who they are. Okay, so initially you're going to get attention like Saul has had to work his way up. Like he didn't come to this environment, you know, well known. So you have to earn 
your favor and earn your viewers and your listeners. Well, Udonis Haslam, Stephen Jackson, all the other guys that had the, you know, the, 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 uh, all these guys, Shaq, all you guys, you, you create a podcast and automatically people are going to come try to listen to what you're saying because of who you are and, and, and your resume that you built up as a basketball player. So you don't have to work to get viewers and listeners. But man, where you got to work, though, is knowledge of the game and how you set yourself. How are you going to attack your podcast? How are you going to speak? I mean, all those things, man. Like, these guys, they get these podcasts, man, and and they just say anything. Like, Gilbert Arenas just says any damn thing. I like Gil. <laughs> you know, no, I, I think he, look, I think he, he's always been a good media potential guy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, some of the stuff he says, like, to me, tells me he hasn't done his total homework. That's all. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is, do your homework, man. That's all. L- unless you just want to be that guy. Like, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And I'm probably play golf with him on Saturday. It's only one Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. And Charles is like, he's polarizing in that a lot of guys want to follow the way that he acts and does it. But what they don't know, I played with Charles for three years in Houston. I sat next to him on the plane. Okay? That dude did his homework. He had a notebook, man. Charles was archaic, man. He had an old school phone. Man, he write down everything. And I mm-hmm. saw him do it. You know? Mm-hmm. The first time he cursed on TNT, I talked to him on the phone. He said, I'm going to curse tonight. <laughs> Just like that. He planned it, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think he's 100% spontaneous. No, he's not. He does his homework. He knows, man. And that's why he's as good as he is on TV. So a lot of you guys, man, you got to do your homework, man. And that that's just embarrassing. But you done as Haslam to go at Bill Russell like that. And just don't understand the history of this game. Knowing that the Miami Heat was non-existent, dude. Mm. I mean, you you act like y'all been around as long as Boston. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, man? No, you haven't. And, and it, Miami also retired Michael Jordan's jersey. Like, if you're going to throw shots at somebody, like, maybe don't do it to the person who has on and off court reasons for their jersey being retired. Yeah, he beat up on them. I know. It's just, man, respect the league, and then you go backwards. But initially, you respect the league. You know the history of the league. Nobody can ever, ever argue me down about the history of this game. I, I I know the game all the way back. I know players have relationships with them. Uh, old and young, and, and that's what you have to do, man. That that, just, that was just so out of line. Yeah, it, it just re- was ridiculous. Uh, Bill Russell deserves zero strays, zero strays whatsoever. Uh, I don't know who gave us the thumbs down, but two of you, meh, not cool. Uh, hit that like button on your way out. But before we go, we do have a super chat by Psycho Blue, I do believe. Uh, two of them. Uh, one, hey I wonder how many games Nick Van Exel would get with today's refs. WrestleMania in April, where refs are supposed to undermine the match, NBA refs need to know their role. Yep, ab- absolutely. Yeah. 
And then Bull Bull gets me hype. I was playing as his dad, RIP, in NBA playgrounds, uh, raining threes and controlling the rim. Bull Bull doing this in real life would be hype. Played against his dad. Uh, love, we used to call him Nudie. Uh, <laughs> he used to guard me. I'd hit him, you know, and he same size as his son. Uh, but he could shoot the three. He had like a slingshot. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he would wind up mm-hmm. and shoot it. Uh, his son obviously watched the video and said, I ain't gonna copy dad with that one. And he's, he's got a very good shooting stroke. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just good to see this young man playing, man. I like, I, I was, I was a starter early part of my career playing 35, 37 minutes a game, enjoyed it. Uh, then eventually, uh, you know, Phil Johnson's coach talked me into going to the bench. I didn't like it, but then I embraced it and it extended my career. And, <clears throat> you know, for me, man, you just got to have a ton of respect. Uh, for this game, and when guys like Bull was sitting down there not playing, man, that's just a tough thing to go through, man. Mm-hmm. You love the game, man, and you they're not playing you, and you're watching, and you say, man, I can help, I can I can help right now, I can do that, and he's not trusting in me. It's really a bad place to be, and so to me, I was happy that he's gotten his chance over the last few games, and and now it's up to him to keep it. Now it's on his plate. Mm-hmm. Like I've done my worrying for him <laughs> and hoping for him. Now, dude, that you look like you're in the rotation. It's up to you to stay there now. Yeah, I was a little surprised he got some run yesterday. I didn't know if he was going to. You know, the day other day it was against Portland. He got some run last night. I thought he held up very, very well. Uh, very interested to see how it goes moving forward. But uh, we appreciate you all taking some time to join us this morning. We had a little bit of Suns talk, a little bit of uh, NBA talk, just in general. Uh, and as always, we always like to just talk ball. So thank you for taking some time. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, on your favorite podcast platform uh, and give the show a like before you leave and make sure you have subscribed to this channel. Happy New Year, everybody. Check us out tomorrow uh, as the Suns take on the Miami Heat, as we just talked about. And check this guy out on the pregame show over on Arizona's Family. In my tight Italian suit. Yeah, there you go. Until then, peace.